Hello, this is Angie Meadows. This is The Rocker Recovery. We're coming to you from Expression Studio in Huntington, West Virginia. We're glad to have you for this radio show. Also be aired on my podcast called Rocker Recovery. You can find the PDF on enablersjourney.com. Today, we're going to continue our study on the seven pillars of wisdom. Our foundation was the fear of the Lord. Our roof is wisdom that covers everything. And we're on our fourth pillar. Our first one was understanding, the second was discernment, and then truth, and today we will study righteousness. Next, we will study knowledge, instruction, and prudence. I prayed many years for wisdom, and then one day I found Proverbs 9.1. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out or set up her seven pillars. And as I was looking at that, I was praying, okay, Lord, there's seven pillars. Show me what they are. And so after two years of study in Proverbs, I was able to pick seven things that I thought might be the pillars of wisdom. So you can choose other things and study those as word studies. I want you to taste and see that the word is good for yourself. One thing I would like for you to do as you get into God's word, I would like for you to ask him for a life verse. My life verse has to do with righteousness. Let me read it to you. I memorized it in the King James Version. It says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I await with thy likeness. So I pondered that verse day after day, and then I turned it around into prayer. And I said, Lord, let me behold your face in righteousness, and let me not be satisfied until I awake in your likeness. And as I prayed that verse year after year, it has been my motivation to never be satisfied until I look like Christ. So let's get into our study. Today we're studying righteousness. Now, the definition of righteousness is acting in accord with divine and moral law, free from the guilt or sin. And if you just think of the word righteousness, the first part of it says right. So it's just doing what's right. I used to tell my children that two wrongs don't make a right. And what that means is if somebody has been wrong to you, being wrong to them does not make it right just because they were wrong to you. So always do what's right even when others do not. So our first question is in Isaiah 64, 6. What is our righteousness likened unto? 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweep us away. Our righteousness is just like filthy rags. The second question is Romans 5.17. What gift does God have for us? For if, by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So what gift does God have for us? He has the gift of righteousness. Now let's go to the next verse, Romans 5.18. What did this one man, Jesus, righteousness do for us? Verse 18. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. So did you hear what it did for us? It gave us justification. Justification means that we have been made right, that our sins have been washed away, that we have been justified in his presence. And let's read that last part again. Justification 
that brings life for all men. So we have been justified unto life. So the righteous act of Jesus made us worthy of salvation. Now in Romans 5.20, when sin abounds or increases, what happens? When sin abounds, what happens? The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increases, grace increased all the more. So where sin increases, so does grace. So how does grace work? Let's read Romans 5.21 to find that out. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the question is, how does grace work? Well, grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I have heard grace described as an unmerited favor. So it's a favor that we do not deserve. Question number three, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Who has God made Jesus to be unto us? It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Look at that. Jesus becomes wisdom. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So here it describes wisdom as righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Number four, Second Corinthians 6, 4 through 5. And we're going to do several verses here in Second Corinthians 6. First, we'll read verses 4 and 5. Name the trials of Paul. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. So name some of those trials. Afflictions, necessities, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, sleeplessness, and fasting. That's a lot of trials. Now let's read the next two verses. What did the Holy Spirit provide for them? Impurity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. The Holy Spirit provided for them pureness, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, love without hypocrisy, the word of truth, the power of God, the armor or the weapons of righteousness. Now we'll read the next verses 8 through 10. What are Paul's victories over his circumstances? Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. So he had glory, a good report, he was genuine, he was known, he was alive, and he was always rejoicing, and he made many rich, and he possessed everything. Everything that was meant for evil, everything that was meant to discourage him, was turned to good through the love of the Holy Spirit, through that sincere love and that purity of his heart. This is what the faith of God's righteousness can do for you. So how could Paul possibly receive all these blessings? Well, now let's look at the secret of that in the verse before. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, we put no stumbling block. So he did not make anyone stumble. He did not offend anyone. 
the word offend in the Bible means to stumble. And I have a study that we'll do one day on not taking an offense. Because when we take an offense, we can immediately know that our feet are going to be entangled and we are going to stumble. So it's very important that you get rid of every offense because the offenses will harm the ministry in Philippians 1 and it will rob you of your peace in Psalms 119, 165. So if we look at Paul's testimony, it didn't matter if he was being beaten or tortured or thrown into prison or shipwrecked or falsely accused or stoned. He just did not take an offense. He knew what his calling was and he just kept on doing exactly what God called him to do. Number five, Philippians 1, nine. What is Paul praying for his fellow believers? And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So he prayed that their love would abound, that they would have knowledge and insight or discernment. So in Philippians 1.10, Paul wants them to be able to understand what is good and to be sincere and to be without what? Verse 10 so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, if we look at that in the King's James Version, it says to be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. So here's Paul. He understands that if people are offended, that there's going to be problems. Now, let's read more. In verse 11, how can we be without offense? Let's see what Paul says. Number 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So in order for us not to take offense, we must be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now let's go on down to the next verse, Philippians 1.12. Paul tells us what God will do with the evil things that happen to us. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. How about that? Paul says if you don't take an offense, if you have the fruits of righteousness, that everything that's happening to you can advance the gospel. Number six, we have two questions here. 2 Timothy 3.16. How did we receive the scriptures? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we receive the scripture from God. And why did God give us these scriptures? He said it was for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We want to do what's right and walk in that righteousness so that our foundation and our house will be built strong for the Lord. We live in a culture where people do not know the difference between right and wrong anymore. In Judges 21-25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. The story preceding this describes how the nation of Israel was at war among their tribes. So if your family is at war with one another, and if your home is a war zone, you may not have a king, and your king needs to be Jesus, and you may not be walking in righteousness, and then everyone does whatever is right in their own eyes. So make a family altar, and every evening read your Bible together, and get on your knees And pray for one another. And pray for this wisdom. Pray for the pillar of righteousness in your home and in your family. Now number seven, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. If I continue with Jesus and keep the faith, what is my reward? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now 
there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So there is a crown of righteousness waiting for us that keep the faith. Now let's ask another question in Titus 3, 5. Are we saved by the works of righteousness? He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So we are not saved by works of righteousness. We are saved through his mercy. Now another question, how did he do this? How did he save us through his mercy? And as we read through there, it says he saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now that's that regeneration process we have talked about before, where old things pass away and all things are new in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now question 9 has several parts. We'll start in Hebrews 12 with verse 10. What produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. So God disciplines believers. He chastens them. Now in verse 10, let's ask another question. Why would the Lord chasten us or discipline us? Why would he do this? That we may share in his holiness. God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. So he does it for us. I'm sure it is not pleasant for him. It's never pleasant when we discipline our children either, but we do it for their good. Now let's look at Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. What should we do when we are chastened, when we're being disciplined? What should we do? And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So we're not to lose heart. We're to accept it and to know that we are like his children. Now, how do we know that our home has been established in righteousness? Let's read 12 verse 11 in Hebrews. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If I am correctly disciplining my children, then they will bring me peace. So small children crying at my feet may not have been trained in righteousness. So as I give them boundaries, as I give them chores, as I give them opportunity to correct themselves and train them and then chasten them when they do not, they will bring me peace. Now when I stop being diligent, I will know it because there's not peace in my home. And that's when I start talking to the Lord and asking him for wisdom to know what to do. James 1, 19 and 20 is our next question. Number 10, what is the instruction in verse 19? My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So what's our instruction? Quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Now let's read the next verse and ask the question, what does God say about the wrath of man or the anger of man? It says, for man's anger 
does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And I can guarantee you from my experience, if I chasten my children with any anger whatsoever, it does not bear fruit. It may give them fear and they may respond to me and do what I told them to do. They may conform, but it does not bring the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So when I'm training in patience and in love with gentleness and kindness and direction, I know that I have the peaceable fruit of righteousness because they are quick to obey and they desire to please me. Now, number 11, we'll ask a few questions here in James 2. James 2.20, what two things are necessary? You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So we need faith and works. James 2.21, how was Abraham justified? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? So he was justified and considered righteous because of his works, because of his deeds. Now works never gets us into heaven. We are not saved by works, lest any man should boast. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are saved by the blood of Christ, but our works will be evident when we have salvation. We will have good works to bring honor to our Father. Now let's ask another question. How was Abraham's faith made perfect? Now let's read the next verse, 2, 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete or perfect by what he did. So if we believe God, if we believe that he's in charge, then our actions will speak louder than our words. The last part of this question, James 2.23, What was counted as righteousness with God? And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. So here's a personal question for you. Do you believe God? Do you believe his promises? Because if you do, it's counted towards you as righteousness, and you are God's friend. If you don't, there is hope. Look at Mark 9.24. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and with tears he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so you can cry out to God, and you can ask him to put belief in your heart. Number 12, Isaiah 32.17. What great blessing do we receive if we walk in righteousness? The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. So we will have peace. We will be quiet. We'll be quiet from our fears, quiet from torment in our thoughts, quiet in our minds. We'll be trusting and confident in the Lord. That is an incredible blessing. Number 13, Isaiah 61.10, when the Lord is done with us, how shall we be clothed? I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. So when the Lord is finished with us, we will no longer have the filthy rags of our flesh, but we will be clothed in his robe of righteousness. Now here's our final question. Psalms 85.10, who is the sister to mercy, and who is the sister to righteousness. I'm going to read it to you from the King's James. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So mercy and truth come together, and righteousness and peace. Now let's look at our review questions. What is our righteousness likened unto? 
Number two, when Paul didn't take any offense, what happened? Number three, should we ever take an offense? Number four, are we saved by works of righteousness? Number five, when we are disciplined, we are not to lose what? Number six, we will know we have righteousness because we will be blessed with what? Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Justify us by Christ's work of redemption. We pray for Christ's robe of righteousness to be placed upon us. Let grace increase in our lives from you towards us and from us towards others. Give us the breastplate of an impenetrable armor of righteousness that we may be able to make right decisions and walk uprightly before you. When we are experiencing persecutions, sufferings, and afflictions, give us extra grace to understand how to follow you more closely. Help us to recognize when we take an offense and help us to refuse it. Help us to trust in you for all things. Fill us with the fruit of righteousness and let us abound more and more in your peace. Circumcise our hearts that we may no longer walk in the flesh but walk in the spirit of the living God. And let mercy, truth, and righteousness and peace be with us forever and ever, wherever we may go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's look at our outline. There is no righteousness in the flesh. We are saved through faith, and that is evidenced by good works. The gifts from God are a justification, a robe of righteousness, faith, grace, and a crown of righteousness if we endure to the end. The trials of faith are afflictions, necessities, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, and fastings. The blessings are peace, quietness, and confidence in our Lord. Now here's something to really ponder on. The peaceable fruit of righteousness is found through chastisement or discipline. And after chastisement, we are to be partakers of his holiness. And here's your memory verse. Isaiah 61.10 I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And this is the Rocker Recovery. This is Angie Meadows. I hope you enjoyed this lesson today. If you want to hear it again, you can listen to it on Rocker Recovery Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And our website is enablersjourney.com. We'll see you later.